Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts 24. Amen. We do get excited about the Word. We should. Amen. Uh, Acts 24 uh, is where we'll be. We'll pick up. We're going to read some of that in just a few moments. And, um, and just, uh, I tell you, man, it's just, it's just very cool what God has been doing uh, in the series that we're in right now. It's called 29. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a series on the book of Acts. And uh, if you know, uh, if you've been here, you understand that there's 28 chapters in that book. And we believe something. We believe that God didn't want the book of Acts to end. He believed that was a picture of what the church should look like and, and, and what it should represent and how it should do life. And so uh, we believe this. We believe that we're 29. We're the next chapter who, who carries forth the plan of God and continues to walk out what God has for us. And so uh, I'll just encourage you to do this if you haven't. Um, uh, listening to the messages, haven't heard those, haven't been here, go online, check it out. All of our messages are on iTunes, on our website, they're all free. So go on, get the word in you, let that build your faith. And um, we're hashtagging I am 29, we're hashtagging we are 29, so do that. We'd love to see your, uh, your, your posts and the feeds, and so uh, again, just do that and be an incredible, incredible thing. So if you've got Acts 24, we're going to do this, we're going to pray first, and uh, then we're going to kind of just kind of talk and share some things in this chapter that we believe God wants to speak to our hearts this morning. So uh, just, just by head, you can pray with me if you like. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for being here. And uh, God, that we're not in this room, Lord, just having a religious service. God, we're in this room, Lord, worshiping you. God, we're in this room to hear from you, God. So speak to us, Lord. Let your word now come alive to our hearts, God. Let uh, every person in this room, God, who needs something specific, God, be that to them. Lord, you said I am. Lord, you're what they need today, God. And I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that uh, through the word, God, Lord, we uh, have life, we have hope, we have direction. And so, Lord, today, God, just have your way. And uh, I pray, God, any hindrances today to the word going forth will be gone now. We'll bow down and uh, flee and leave this room, Lord. And the spirit of God will just move in hearts. Lord, we'll be changed because of this word. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Fist bump your neighbor to your right. Say, I am 29. I am 29. Some of y'all blew it up. I saw that. I saw that. Some of y'all blew it up. That was awesome. That was pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Uh, Again, series of the book of Acts. And I tell you, if this book has been incredible. Uh, If you've been coming, have you learned something? Hey, man, have you learned something? Good. I love that. Uh, We looked at this this book, and uh, it's been amazing, and just kind of, to bring us up to speed, uh, we, we saw early on in the very first chapter, the eighth verse of, of the book of Acts, we saw Jesus speak into the disciples' lives, and he said this. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And uh, I love what happens next. Uh, You see in Scripture, when Jesus speaks, what he says comes true. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. His word is, it literally brings life. His word will not, the Bible says, return void. So he spoke this word to the disciples, 
And I love it. You turn the page into Acts chapter 2, and you watch it begin to unfold. You see right there before our eyes, as we read and as we've studied, you see on the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, that the, the Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind and baptized them and came upon their lives. And then it was a beautiful thing. What he said began to happen. He said, you wait, and you get empowered, and then once you get empowered, you'll go witness. And so you see this little crazy guy named Peter who was uh, literally denying Jesus in front of a little schoolgirl by a campfire could not be bold and stand up for him in that situation when empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit gets up and he preaches the message of the gospel of Christ and 3,000 get saved in one pop. I mean, and as you begin to see the ministry begin to unfold, and it's just a beautiful thing. You turn the page to the next chapter, you see in Acts chapter 3, where it says that people were healed, literally been lame from birth, get up and walk. And so we've been looking at these, these passages, and I've been saying we're 29, and what's cool is you're understanding that, and you're going out and doing it. It's been crazy. Some of the things we've heard, people are getting healed and saved and delivered, set free. It's just a beautiful thing. And so it is awesome. And then you see some things begin to take place as you look through the passages in Acts. You see persecution come. Now, we, uh, we looked at that, and we, we've addressed those things, and we've talked about those subjects in, in detail. And uh, it is amazing at each level you go to, you do sometimes face another devil, as Joyce Meyer would say, and, and you would see another place. But it was amazing every time that they, per- they went to this next step and faced another level of persecution, you saw another level of revelation, another level of revival begin to happen and go forth. And so it was just a continual process. And so we watched this begin to unfold. We saw the lives of the disciples. Then you see kind of the transition going from, this, from, from Peter and John into this guy named Paul's life. Paul encountered Jesus on this road to Damascus, and he, his life was radically forever changed. You see this guy who had been real bad. He had done some horrible things. Uh, he had also, if you know, he knew the word. He knew the laws, and he studied those things and knew them well, could quote them, had did a lot of good things as far as when it comes to that sort of religious act. But he knew something. He recognized that he was still in great need of a Savior. And so this guy who had been real good and had been real bad was in real need, and he needed Jesus. So Jesus showed up. Let me tell you something today. If you're in real need, let me tell you, he'll show up in your situation, Jesus. Jesus. And I'd rather him come than anybody else. I'm thankful for 911s that you pick up the phone and call. But as situations going on in my life, I want the Spirit of God to show up. I want Jesus there. So we see this beautiful passage begin to unfold, and it brings us into this 24th chapter. And in the 24th chapter, it's amazing. You see where Paul had been, again, persecuted. He had been uh, guiding himself in trouble for being bold about his faith in Jerusalem. He gets an all-expense paid trip into Caesarea. And then he is bought before the governor, this guy named Felix. All right, So this is going to be one of the characters today as you see this story unfold. You see Paul being brought before this Roman governor named Felix. And as he's brought now before him, you see a trial begin to happen. And so they bring it to order, and they bring this case to order. They place Paul on trial, and then they bring in what um, this, the legal system likes to do, and it's just it's why they exist, and it's what they do well. They brought in this smooth talker named Tertullius. 
Now, this guy was a lawyer who spoke well, and then he came in, and he comes, and if you read, and we're not going to read this whole chapter, but it's awesome, read it. Do it sometime, not right now, listen. But, uh, and, and you see this thing unfold, and you see Tertullius come in, and then he does this. He goes before Felix, and he starts blowing his smoke screen. He starts bragging on him, and he starts telling him how awesome he is and calling him this honorable servant and this, this great person who's brought blessing and, and wealth to their, their, their city and their nation. And, and all of it's a lie. It's all a crock. It's crazy. It's junk. It's so not true because this guy was evil. He was evil. He was, he was, he was evil. And so Paul is sitting there having to hear these things unfold, being said about him. They begin to try to paint a picture of how bad this guy really is. They begin to call him a leader of the sect of the Nazarenes. They begin to tell him that he's this guy who's causing great chaos and, and, and doing all of these things. And, and, and it's amazing. He, they, once they lay out the story before Felix, he he places it all there, all the, what he thought was evidence. He lays it out there. And then Paul has the opportunity to take the stand. Called to represent himself. I don't know, I like this guy. He, he, he's, he's pretty cool. He, he gets up there on the stand, and then he, he begins to uh, not do what, you know, Tertullus did here, not, not blow the smoke and not do these things. He gets up before this Roman governor and before all the people who hold basically his life in his hands and are making the decisions about his future, and he tells them this. He says, where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? And I, I, I don't know, I, I think if, if we begin to see something happen today, you're going to see this guy named Paul who we talk about, who just went out and used the, his, the power of the Holy Spirit that he had been baptized in to change this world. You're going to see some similarities today, I hope, in your life, because there will be a time, and we'll discuss it later, where we'll be placed on trial. And will we be able to say, where is the evidence that the accuser is saying he has against you? Let that sit in the back of your mind as we look for just a second, as we kind of go through kind of what's taking place, because... He's having to come now, and now Felix has to do this. He has to make the decision of whether or not Paul's guilty or innocent. He has the right. And it's, it's, and it's interesting today, if you've turned on the news, you've probably seen the story of, of this woman named Kim Davis, who was a, the clerk of court, who was refusing to sign marriage license for gay marriages, and, and now she's actually been, I believe they said, placed in jail and, and for, for what she's doing, and, and it's amazing. The same type of situation that's happening kind of today is happening, really, uh, I think, happened in this time because there was someone who sat in a place of authority at that moment who had the right to release him, but what they did was this. Felix was trying to be politically correct instead of doing what's right, and he put him on arrest. And so you see now, kind of during this next part of this passage, you see that he had been basically incarcerated under type of house arrest type thing. He has served much time under maximum security. 
He's been in those places. We know that Paul and Silas, you know, they were beaten and placed in that inner prison and beaten in, in a horrible situation. But this is a different situation. He's kind of placed on house arrest. He kind of has some type of liberties to where people can come to him and he can go to them. And so we see this, but somebody's trying to be politically correct instead of doing what's right. And so they do this. They arrest him, and they, and they basically find him somewhat guilty because they refuse to make a decision. And then you see during this time, it's going to bring us up to the passage I want to speak to you on today and talk to you about. It brings us up to verse 25. All right, you've seen all this in story. I've given you this backstory, and it brings us up to verse 25. And in verse 25, it does this. Verse 25 is what we see Paul speak to this guy named Felix. Felix would do this. Felix would get his, his wife named Drusilla. I don't know why I want to say Drusilla. I don't know just when I say it, Drusilla. <coughs> Thank you very much. Um, some of y'all are like, what does that mean? Uh, some of the younger generation, what, what does that mean? Uh, ask your parents later. Uh, <coughs> Thank you very much. But you see him bring Drusilla and, and Felix, they come together and they did this. Verse 24 says that they would call upon Paul and they would ask him to come forward and they would ask him to share, the scripture says it this way, ask him to share in, uh, the things concerning his faith in Christ. Now this is, this is huge, what we're getting ready to see. We're getting ready to, I believe, in one verse in scripture today, see, I believe, the picture of what God wants us to hear. And so we see in verse 25 of Acts 24, we see what Paul speaks to this group today, and we see what he says. He says this. He says, now as he reasoned, he says he's talking about and speaking on, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Felix was afraid and answered, go away from now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Now, this is, this is interesting because Paul literally had the ear of the governor. He had the ear of the guy who could set him free. He had the guy who could, who could literally, what he would speak that day, would bring influence into his life, and it could have done this. It could have gotten him out of the situation he was in. And I, I feel like, again, as we kind of see where our world is heading, I believe we're going to see more and more the opportunity for us to get ourselves out of a situation or it may just get ourselves into a deeper situation according to what we do and how we stand up for Christ. Now, this is interesting because I, I love Paul's boldness. And, and uh, there's a lot of people today saying that Paul, just all he spoke about was just this grace thing and all that stuff. And, man, again, we, it's amazing but Paul says a whole lot of other things in Scripture, and he says something here that is just reckoning because here in the guys who is standing before him has the right to set him free. He speaks about three things that we see according to Scripture may feel it's very uncomfortable. We see it kind of make him a little bit nervous, even put him in a place of fear. And the first thing we see is this. It said that he reasoned with them about righteousness. Now today, number one, first point, one word, write it down if you would, is the word righteousness. Now this is interesting. Now, this, is a, this is an interesting word. If, you, if, you've, if you've been around for a while or if you, or if you, if you know what someone who has, this is a word that used to kind of get thrown around, man. It's kind of like a slang type term, man. Righteous. 
Righteous, dude. And, 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 and you, you even see, you know, could see, uh, I, I believe it was maybe Crush and Finding Nemo where Disney folks ran. And, 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 and he says he's swimming in through the chain. Righteous. You know, and it's just, I mean, it's just, you know, kind of a word they throw out there. Uh, even a group, and this is interesting, even a group called the Righteous Brothers. And they weren't even brothers. That's what's kind of funny. They weren't brothers. But, uh, you know, you, you must have some serious confidence in yourself if you're going to get up and say, we're the righteous brothers right here, son. We're awesome. And, uh, but they call themselves this, and you see this happen. But this word is, is meaning so much more than just a little slang term that you throw out. This word means something. This word means that we are put in right standing with God. That we're in right standing with God. Now, um, I don't know. It just, the, the, I don't know, sometimes how I, I've, I kind of maybe was taught about God and, and the picture that I was shown of Him, maybe just through Scripture, certain passages. I mean, sometimes, you know, I remember as a child having a fear of God. I have a holy fear today, and I have a reverence and awe of the awesome God who sits on the throne and I will continually have that because he is an amazing God. He's a sovereign God. He completely reigns above all earth, and, and he is an incredible God. But I remember times where I literally had a fear of him. Um, I, I remember uh, personally getting saved like every night before I went to sleep, you know, and uh, that whole now let me down to sleep, pray to the Lord, I was serious. Very. I mean, because, man, I did not want anything to take place. And then me have to stand before, matter of fact, bow before this holy God. And, and then you see Paul have the nerve to get up in front of the governor who put him in the place that he is in arrest. And who that you know, if you know history here, this dude was trouble, man. He was messed up. He was in... He, he, uh, so much deception, uh, Priscilla, Drusilla, the woman he was married to was even through adultery, and there was so much just horror behind this guy, and he gets up there, and he begins to tell him, and they're saying, man, we want you to come before us and tell us about your faith in Christ, and he gets up there and says this, you're going to have to stand before him. What? Now, he tells him, and he's saying these words, and this is amazing because he's saying that you, will be, you have the opportunity to be put right with God. And then this is an incredible thing because we say, we say things kind of like, well, there's just nobody perfect. Well, there is. His name's Jesus. And so this is what we must do. We must have this, a relationship with him. We must, the Bible says it this way, be in Christ. And then we are having as a result him in us. And so we are able to do this. We're able to come and stand before him. And we can have the opportunity today to be made righteous. What? Now, hold on, because this is what's the truth. Some of you right now are thinking, man, I've done this. This happened 47 years ago. This happened six months ago. This happened something maybe last night. Wow. Maybe this whole signing up for righteous thing ain't a bad idea. What, what, what do I need to do? How did this thing happen? And we see this and we, we, because of what Jesus did. 2 Corinthians 5 says this. And again, Paul's words, he says that, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. It's in him. 
Did you hear that? He said it's in him. The one who had no sin became sin. The one who was righteous took on unrighteousness. And the ones today who are unrighteous can be righteous. And this whole story of trip, I mean, it is just amazing as you start thinking about these things because there's so much sin and things that we've done. I don't know about you, but there have been times I've been an idiot. No amens, please. Thank you very much, especially from the front row. Um, just very rare occasions, but, but he's good. Come on, all the time. He's good. And we see in Scripture things like Psalm 103, 10 through 12, that says this, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Come on, amen. That's a good place. That is a good place. He's removed those from us. Now listen, it's telling us right here in Scripture that we've committed iniquity. We've, we've, we've transgressed him. We've, we've sinned. We've failed. Every person in this room. Some may be greater, some may be less. But you know something? Every one of us have done this. We've missed the mark. We've missed it. There's a beautiful thing getting ready to happen, and it's called bow season. Come on, I feel Jesus when I say that right now. And, and, and somebody let me borrow a bow because they know I need some practice, and I'm too cheap to buy one. And, uh, and so uh, there, it, it's amazing. When you get out there and you place this, this little target on this bag, and then you take and you pull back the bow, and then you release the bow. you got to do it right here, they said. And then you, and right here, and then when you release it, it's supposed to go and hit the target. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it don't. But every one of us have done this. We've pulled back the bow, we've released it, and we've missed the mark. Well, well but I hit the bag, Pastor. You missed the mark. But there's this one arrow, and there's this, this that I hit, and it was like right beside the, the bullseye because it was right in there, and it was right in the park in, in the area of where it's supposed to be. And, and if you ever played that dark game, you know, you've got 50 points, and then you got 25, got 10. Well, I got like 10 points, and I got five, and then we do this sometimes. We do like the game of darts. We add up our score depending on how close we get. And we say, man, I got, man, I, I hit it like one time, and it was like 50 points, and then I got it, and man, it was close, and it, was, it felt so good. And you look at the guy you're playing against, and you're like, get some of that. <laughs> but you know something? Every person has missed it. Well, I hit it three out of four, Pastor. I'm getting real good, man. I'm, I'm, I've got my accuracy down, and I've got this thing, and I've been holding it right by the mark, and I've got my nine, and I've got my sights, and I'm going, I've got lasers on that thing. I'm awesome. You've missed it. Every one of us. And because we've missed the mark, we have to do this. We have to surrender our life to the one who's never missed it. Who never missed it. Who came to this earth, put on skin, and didn't miss it. And it's just amazing. And he says in Scripture that we should do this, that we should seek after this thing called righteousness. Matthew 6, it says this. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
Ain't that beautiful? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. But what do we do so many times? We do this. We seek the things, and then we want to add God to it. And we say, I wonder why I'm in the situation I'm in. Come on, you know it. We do this. So how do we fix this? How do we come to this place? What do we do? We have to see this. We have to see that I have to. I have to recognize, own up, and say I'm an unrighteous person, and then put on the righteousness of God. It's a beautiful gift that we can be given, and it's, it's just amazing because this is what Scripture says, and Paul said these things. I believe it. We, I believe he got up before this governor, and I believe he said things. We know he knew the Old Testament. We knew he knew Scripture, and we see things in Isaiah that says this. In 64 verse 6, it says this, but we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. That's encouraging. That's our righteousness. That's us missing it. Romans 10.3 says this, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So how do we get this righteousness? Submit to it. We submit to it. We come up underneath it. And so here it is. You have Paul speaking to this governor who was so unrighteous. And he was telling him, you know, you're the one. You need to submit to an authority. How bold and how, how can he get up and say such a thing? He is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's letting him know, he's telling him that you have the opportunity. And this is how righteousness happens for us. We submit to it and we recognize something. We recognize that righteousness is not something we do. Righteousness is something we receive. I'm going to tweet myself a quote marks on that. That was good. It is, it, thank you. It is, it, it is not something we do. It's something we receive. So he's getting up there, and he's letting this guy know. He's letting Drusilla know. He's telling them that you receive this righteousness. You can receive this gift. And then it's just amazing that you see a progression happen here that, that, that just should look like our life. He's up there, and they're saying, you tell us about faith in Christ. And, and they're wanting him to tell them everything, just going to be all right, and that sort of deal. And he gets up there, and he says something, and this is how this should work. Because, again, righteousness is this gift we receive, but what we receive should affect what we do. It's just, you see it, because, again, he's saying this. He's telling him. He's telling to tell us here, or he's telling Felix. He says this. The very next thing he says in verse 25, he tells them, you have a reason about righteousness. And the second thing is this, self-control. Self-control. I did this. I, I, was, I, I asked my 10-year-old last night. I said, man, what does self-control mean to you? He's 10. He's 10. And I, I, I loved it. It was just so simple but so true. He says that I need to control myself. I was like, man, that's it. You, that's it. The, the, you, need to con, you need to control yourself. Now, we're coming up on... Um, well, we're in it. Football season. 
It's like everybody loses all self-control <laughs> during this season for some reason. I don't know what, I don't know the mindset. It's like we think it gives us opportunity to, to lose our minds or something. I don't know what it is. But you, you, you see this, but he's saying this in Scripture. He's telling this here. And there will be some, some uh, you know, even pastors will say, well, but Paul was saying these things early in his ministry. And really, Paul is, is saying that, that, you know, he really talks about grace more than anything else. And, and I know I'm hitting on that heavy, but it, I want you to see even late in life, Paul Penn has said things. And he wrote to the church of Galatia in chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, as he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Listen to this, it's beautiful. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And the last one he leaves, he says, is self-control. Against such there is no law. Now listen, I, I, I think sometimes it's very important and they know how our minds work and and uh, being led by the Spirit when these guys wrote this book and literally the Word of God, they know sometimes maybe it's the last thing we hear is uh, sometimes the last thing we remember. I was one of the things I try to do when I teach and share is I try to keep it so simple that we can all get it regardless of what age level we are in this room and we can all hear something and receive something and leave with something. But I think it's interesting that Paul's saying something here in this last passage and, and he's telling them the very last thing is, man, have some self-control. Control yourself. And remember, he's speaking to a guy who had lost all control. He's speaking to a guy who had none, and he was just doing his thing his way whenever he wanted to, and he was speaking things. And then we see it again, the words of Paul again, this guy who was always just saying just always positive things. Look at what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1-5. through 5. He says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. This is going to mess with us for just a second. You're getting ready to watch something written so many years ago be a picture of what we see today. He says this in verse 2, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control. Brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. That's challenging, but we are living in a time and in a world where it just basically your kids are being taught, and so many people have gravitated to this mindset, if it feels good, it's okay and do it. If it feels good, it's okay. If whatever feels good, you, you can do it. And, and then, this is, this is the world we're in now. It used to be, again, it's like uh, they, there was no grace and there was no love extended toward anyone who missed it. And, and I, I just, that was just totally wrong. If, so each of us, every person here has missed it in this room. And so we must have it. We, if we've received grace, we show grace. If we've received love, we show love. All these things. And for so long, there wasn't none. But now the word has flip-flopped. And now the ones who are doing these things that we see, that we know if you're a Christian and you know the Word of God, you read it. When you see some of the things that are happening in the media today and right in front of our eyes, they're being praised. They're being praised. They have courage. So courageous to stand up and do what they did. 
I don't, I don't know. I think it's why he said it then, and I think that's why he says it now, and I think that's why he's saying at the end of time there will be some who have none. So this is what we must do. We must ask God, God, help me control myself. Help me control myself. And this is what I, I, I want the church, and I believe this is his heart. I believe it's his scripture throughout. I believe we look a certain way the church should. Now, it's not because of how we dressed or how we fixed our hair and I, how we've lived, d- done certain things and certain demeanors because I remember growing up in church and, and everybody at the church I went to, and I'm thankful this church looks like so many different things, and, but I remember the church I grew up in is an awesome group of people. They love Jesus. I mean, they taught me him. But everybody looked the same. They all dressed the same. They all had the same hairdos and same act the same, and everything was just the same. And then this is what would happen. We would go out after church. The youth group would go out to eat, man, pizza in back in the day. <laughs> and I miss you, pizza in. I miss you, the real, the real pizza. And we could do this. We could pick out who came from which church. You know it's true. I mean, if, if maybe you don't because some of you, we have never been in that. You're a lot of unchurched and did church post, but we used to do that. But I believe God wants us to look a certain way, not by how we dressed, but how we present ourselves and walk in the righteousness that he's provided for us. And it's a beautiful thing, and so we can walk this out. And then we see the story progress, and, and it's amazing, man. Here he is, Paul has the opportunity to speak in this guy's life and start telling him things and try to tickle his ear like the other guy because it got that guy, you know, good. You know, actually got what he was looking for. When Felix got up and spoke and said these things, when Tertullus spoke to the governor, it worked for him. He could have done this. He gets up and says, you need to do this. He said, you need righteousness, you need some self-control, and this is why, because the next thing he says in verse 25, he said, because there's a judgment to come. Wow. There's a judgment to come, and uh, I just... I don't know. I mean, it, it, he has this place, opportunity. He's reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. I don't know, man. I want us to walk this out and live it this way, the same way we see in Scripture, because this is happening. Matthew twenty-four forty-two says this, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Lord is coming. Have to be, we must be watchful. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-two says this, In a moment... In the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. It's beautiful. And he's telling them this. And I, I don't know, I, I, I think he's probably, I like his confidence, man. This is only the Spirit of God can get you to this place. It's only, only his power can do this. He's getting up in front of the guy who had him on trial and who judged him. And tells him, you'll be judged. Wow. He's saying this. And this is the truth for each of us that will happen one day. And it just, I just we have to go through and what we've done. You've seen it. You've traveled with us. If you've been here for this series, I've gone through this, this book of Acts. And, and literally, just we've gone through each chapter and let the Holy Spirit highlight the things. And I believe he's highlighted some things today for a specific reason for people in this room today who need to know this, that there will be a day of judgment. And this is for us. This is for us. Every person, there will be a time when we stand before judge. 
And I don't know, it's, uh, it, it is this. It is his righteousness, his spirit, his power, him taking on and being no sin and all those things that you will be able to have that peace and you'll be able to sing what we were singing earlier. That is well. It's well. It's well, it's well my soul. It, it, no matter what's going on, the stuff that's happening, the junk that's taking place, you know, something, I still have something in me that says I have peace and it's well and it's okay. And this is only the Spirit of God that can do this because we're going to come before this judge. And the Scripture says that in Revelation, it describes how the enemy is working. And the enemy is doing this. The enemy is, the, the, the Bible calls him an accuser of the brethren. And he is the one who is getting up and he's doing this. He's going to make accusations about every failure you've had. Now, here's what's awesome. We read the scripture in Psalm 103 that the, the Holy Spirit does this because of the blood of Jesus. Man, that, that sin is cast far as the east is from the west, never again to be remembered. But you know who remembers it? Satan. You know who he reminds? Us. And so he's going to do this. He's going to get up, and you're going to be faced on you, and put on trial, and you're going to come before the judge, and you're going to be placed there, and you're going to have an accuser of the brethren speaking and saying things about you. When that happens, I want to have the same power, the boldness, and the Spirit of God that Paul had when he got out in front of Felix that day. He said this. Where's the evidence? Where's the evidence? <laughs> I don't know how it's all going to work I, when we get there. And I do know that we walk into the presence of God that the Bible talks about. There'll be no more sorrow or shame, and He's going to wipe away every tear from our eye. It's going to be awesome. I don't know how it's going to be in that moment, though. Maybe we are sitting there flooded every failure and fault we've ever made. I don't know how it's going to work. But according to Scripture, we see this, that every one of us will be there. It's, it's, it's interesting. You see him in Acts 24, verse 15, a few verses before our main text today. He says this. He says, I have a hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. So this is how it's going to take place. We're all going to come, the just, the unjust, the righteous, the unrighteous. We're going to come before this God, and then we're going to come before him that day. And what will we be able to say? Will we be able to say, where's the evidence? Will we be able to do this? Will we let the one who wants to represent us, the Bible calls him the propitiation of our sins, big word, very cool, the who, one who took our place and took upon the sin, who is our advocate, the one who can get up and speak in our behalf, and he gets up and he says, yes, all those things may have happened, but there is no evidence. Come on. There is no evidence. There, there is no evidence of those things. Well, well, but Satan's working it, man. He's doing his thing. You remember. It was late that night. Pulled up on that screen. Remember that night you pulled off the road? You remember that night? 
only in that moment will we be able to be in right standing, righteous before God, only when we've taken on the righteousness of God. And this is the truth sometimes. You see Felix's response. In verse 25, again, all this in one verse. It's amazing. He says this righteousness, this self-control, this judgment. In verse 25, Felix says, but he was afraid and he answered, go away from now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. If we haven't put on the righteousness of God, you know what this message does? Matter of fact, should do. I don't think Paul apologized. It should make us fearful. It should. It, it should bring fear into us. I mean, and, and it, should, it should put the, maybe that fear like I had as a child, the wrong fear in our minds. But this is what God wants to do. He wants to take that fear and replace it with a holy fear, reverence and awe of him, where you know that I'm going to be able to come before him one day, not because I was good, it's because he's great. And I'm going to be able to bow before him one day, even though I've messed up, even though I wasn't perfect, I've committed sin, I've did things that were wrong, but I have a right I mean, it just, it just messes with my mind to think I'm going to have a right to stand before this God one day. And I've missed it, but I'm going to have a right to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. I'm going to be able to hear him say those words. You can too. But it's when we do this. It's when we say this. We recognize this. And we understand that we have to make this decision to do what? Not like Felix did. He had this fear and he said this. He said, I'll do this. I'll do it at a more convenient time. An enemy's so good. He's so good at, at, at convincing us that he knows what we need. He's so good. He, he's so good to somehow get us to really think, to really get us to think that we should put off giving our life to Jesus because that's going to be like a downgrade. He is. He, he somehow gets us to imagine in our minds, if you surrender your life to God, then all the fun is going to stop. i tell you something, man. I've had more fun serving Jesus than I've had serving the world. I have more joy at this unspeakable boss that's full of glory. I've got more joy than anything I've ever experienced in this world. And it's when we do this, we say yes. And then we have to surrender this and say yes to him. And then somehow the enemy does this. You have Paul preaching, man. I don't know. I just believe he brought it. I just believe he brought it, man. He got before this guy, and he spoke these words, and he says, man, there's this thing you can have called righteousness. There's this thing that can cause a result in your life called self-control, and then you can actually come before the judge one day. How do we hear those things and say, I'll do it sometime, maybe on down the road? 
And we see this. This is from the, from the text. You see, if you know the text here, we see that after this, two years had come, and his time had come for Felix to his, his term to end, and we see another person come in and take his place as governor, and we never see a decision made for him. But I'll do it another time. I'll, I'll do it another day. And this is something we were discussing earlier, and, and we were talking about this in my office. And just, just listen for just a moment how, how real this is. Every two seconds, somebody dies. Just lost two during me saying that. 153,000 people die every day. 56 million a year. We're coming up next week as we honor and reflect and remember heroes who gave their life on 9-11. And that day there were 3,000 people that died a horrible tragedy. It was horrible. You know almost 50 times that die every day? Pastor, what are you, what are you trying to do, man? I'm preaching Acts 24 on the day that it fell on and opened it up and then God speak to us. And what do we do with what we hear? We, we see earlier in Acts where there was a Philippian jailer who heard a story and saw the Spirit of God work and he comes before uh, and he, he, he falls before the disciples and he says, what must I do to be saved? That's what this should do to us. It should say, man, what must I do? It should cause us to live our life in a way that we recognize and see that the people around us are going to have this judgment as well. And you know what that will do in our life? It'll cause us to have some self-control. Because you want to reach out and lash out and do certain things. And instead, what you're going to do is this. You're going to offer up love. People say, man, how do you do that? How can you act this way when this is going on? Because you know, as well as yourself, that they'll spend eternity somewhere. That changes that changes everything. So you see this circle unfold and this picture happen that every person today will face a judgment. And this is the good news today. We can stand before him righteous. Stand with me, please. Oh, man, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for your word. It is right on time for us. It is right on time for us. If we haven't surrendered to you, Lord, this is a right time. Your word tells us that today is a day for salvation. Lord, if we know you, Lord, this is a right now word that will change how we live our life and what we do and help us and drive us to be a, something that pushes us towards being the 29 church. It's what your word does. And God, I'm thankful today. Lord, I can put on your righteousness. I can put on your righteousness true righteousness of God. Just right now as your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and just, I want you to do this. The Bible says this, Paul, this guy we've been speaking about, Paul says to examine yourself. He says to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And so this is a decision we make and a choice that we do. So, Father, right now, speak to hearts. Speak to every life. 
And God, if we surrender to you, we're going to have a reason to celebrate and rejoice because we can come before you clean. Lord, if we haven't made the decision, Lord, today we can celebrate because we can come before you and receive a gift called righteousness and salvation and be clean. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow. Man, the Spirit of God is just, is just so strong. He's here right now. And in just a moment, we're going to open our altars up, and we're going to come and just close out our service in a song. But right now, God wants to do something in your life, specifically where you're at. If you don't know Jesus, listen, today is a day. The Bible says this is the day of salvation. This is the day. So let me ask this. If you know this, you know on the day of judgment, you know you're going to be able to have right standing. You're going to be able to come before him and bow before him one day. You've accepted and trusted in Jesus. Right now, you should just take one moment and just lift up your hands and thank him for that right now. And just praise him for what he's done for you. God, we thank you. Because we recognize our righteousness is filthy rags, but God, you made us. And so, Lord, we want to turn and live like that, be that, walk in that righteousness, God, that you provided. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.